Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me is Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Alex, the Apostle John writes in 1 John 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And Alex, the Apostle John's not alone in this. Many of the biblical authors, they make plain their desire for Christians to be assured of their salvation. Mm-hmm. Yet you and I both know it's not uncommon for believers to struggle with assurance. So we want to talk about Christian assurance just broadly in the Christian life, but also where it plays in congregational singing Mm -hmm. or how it affects our congregational singing. But before we kind of dive into that, could you tell us a little bit, what is Christian assurance? What are we talking about? Sure. Uh, Christian assurance, uh, I would define as something like uh, the spirit wrought experiential confidence that you are a child of God, Hmm. a father of Christ, one who's been born again. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is not to be the rare possession of a few super Christians or those who have been in the way for many years. It's in a sense, I think we can speak about it this way, it's like the birthright Hmm. of every true Christian. God does not want to leave his children in doubt about where they stand with him. He wants them to know that they're his children and to relate to him as a father. And so every true Christian should aspire to and hopefully possess true Christian assurance. Hmm. What are reasons you think Christians often struggle with assurance? I would think the foremost reason would be remaining sin. Hmm. And so in in that epistle, 1 John, where, where, where the apostle John so overtly calls Christians to pursue Christian assurance, he also recognizes that those same individuals are struggling with their internal sin. And that's why he has to tell them, look, if we say we're without sin, First um, John 1, we, we make God to be a liar and the truth isn't in us. Like we need to recognize our sin. And then he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. We quote that verse sometimes in messages and sermons and things as, a, as a, an invitation to lost people to right. repent of their sins and believe. But that's a verse given to Christians for how to biblically process their remaining sin. They're to confess it, repent of it in turn, and it, it is not acknowledged to be something that's totally exclusive of Christian assurance. Mm-hmm. You can struggle with remaining sin and still be a wonderfully, happily assured child of God. And that's what I think John is, is speaking into. Hmm. Yeah. So sin, I mean, do you think there are other ways people oh, struggle with assurance? I can yeah, think I, think, I think Satan uh, certainly can um, attack people in such a way, access mm-hmm. people in such a way that he tries to rob them of their assurance. I think the fact that we're not in the physical presence of Christ is another reason. We walk by faith and not right. by sight. Faith is, uh, I wouldn't say it that way exactly. I guess faith is something we throw away, get rid of as soon as we see Christ in glory. And okay. so I think that the fact that we worship one whom we've not seen, we follow one who we've not seen, it makes it difficult in some ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, all, all sorts of things like that. I think um, particular sin patterns, I mean, I said sin generally, particular sin patterns in believers now, I mean, true, authentic children of God, I think can tend toward um, especially jeopardizing hmm. um well-grounded assurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think also it's 
sort of the case where it, it's too good to be true, what God offers us in oh, Christ. Yeah. And, and I would lump that in with, with the sin yeah. issue that could God really forgive me of my sins? Could yeah. I really be reckoned a child of God? I think a lot of people wrestle with that, struggle with that. Yeah. I would say, in my very short pastoral experience, that may be the number one reason, at least that people supply, for why they struggle with assurance. Could I really be forgiven? Hmm. Am mm-hmm. I really going to escape the wrath of God through the blood of Christ? Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. Yeah, I think there's something to just the level of stakes at hand, too. Uh, you know, we're dealing with, with eternal matters. Mm-hmm. So it's it's eternal life or eternal death. Mm-hmm. And... Any flicker of doubt, just well, that, that, that it's it's amplified yes. because so much is at stake if we get this wrong. If, yes. I, if I'm wrong on on what I believe or not, yeah, you can't be mostly assured. Yeah, you want to be completely and fully assured. I think also one thing I see, especially younger Christians struggle with, is some of what they view as very absolute language in the Bible, a very binary language in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. <gasps> I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be haunted by verses like that, 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 that they just view them, I must be outside the pale if this verse is true. The righteous will inherit eternal life. Am I, am I really righteous? I'm still a sinner. People struggle with that. Um, so I think those things are contributing factors as well. You, I think it's okay if I say this right. I mean, you've been open in the past as part of your testimony yeah. that you struggled with assurance at different times in your Christian life. Mm-hmm. What, what has been, do you think, at the root of some of that? What's been underneath some of that? provoking that struggle with assurance to the degree that you're willing well, to share. I can probably answer that by sharing some of the things that have been helpful to me okay. in, in getting out of bouts of struggles. Uh, I think I demand a, a mathematical precision and certainty of language in Scripture that the Bible just doesn't present. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible doesn't doesn't speak of assurance in, in that way. Uh, I've been helped by something Piper said, I believe in when I don't desire God, where, you know, how can I be certain that my wife won't kill me in the middle of the night? Well, you can be, (laughs) at the end of the day, I mean, you you just know that person's character, you know that they won't do it, but you can't test that. Yes. You can't you know, use the scientific method on that to predict the future in a million different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Well, neither is the sake with the promises that we see in Scripture. We should just trust God based on his character and his record that he will be faithful to keep his promises. Yes. And that all those who call on the name of Christ, he uh, will be saved. All those who come to Christ in faith, he will by no means cast out. Mm-hmm. And just cast your hope in him. Mm-hmm. Amen. Should Christians who struggle with assurance, should they view that struggle as normal? Yeah, okay, so I want to say yes and no. So if, if here, here is this young woman, 27 years old, she's struggling with assurance. I have every reason to believe she's a true child of God, follower mm-hmm. of Christ, just dogged by her remaining sin. Could it really be true that my sins are atoned for, all that stuff? I, I guess I would want to assure her you're not, this isn't unusual for you to struggle with this question. Hmm. So is it normal? I, mean, I wish it weren't normal. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, it's just true that many, many Christians struggle with assurance. And so I'd want her to know that. Mm-hmm. You're not some you know, malformed disciple that you could be so overwhelmed by your sin or harassed by Satan or, or, or whatever to think that maybe you're not a child of God. So in that sense, I think it was normal. Mm-hmm. And, and 
frankly, if I just polled the members of our church uh, here in Winston, um, I don't know, maybe half would say they've struggled with assurance at one point or another. Mm-hmm. So I'm just even statistically. I've been helped to. I've been helped by one pastor saying, "Yeah, we we shouldn't view uh, assurance, Christian assurance, as a as a light switch, but as a level. You know, it's like it's like a ladder. It's a dim switch. It's not mm. something where yes. I have 100 percent assurance yes. or I have no assurance. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it 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 ebbs and flows. Yes. No, not I think for every a, Christian. But no, I for think those it's a very good struggle. point. I think yeah. it's a very good point. You know, there's there's people at different places at different times, and I've seen, by the way, just the most godly Christians. I mean, just to use an example, Charles Spurgeon mm-hmm. was very mm-hmm. candid in the late 1880s, nearing the end of his life, that he had periods contemporary contemporary to that time mm-hmm. of, of struggling with assurance. So it's, it's something that can come and go as well. It can ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. It can also come and go. But, so but I, would, I would say wait, wait, to, to the same young woman who struggled with assurance, mm-hmm. I'd say this isn't an unusual struggle. At the same time, it is not what God wants to be the normal experience of his children. Mm-hmm. And that's when I would go to First John mm-hmm. and, 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 and make the point. I mean, that's why John writes that you would know that you are the children of God. I'd go to the words of the Lord Jesus in John 6, that those who come to me all by no means cast out. It would seem in John 10, Jesus is driving at the assurance of those who are his. Right. No one will snatch them out of the Father's hand. I, my goal is to steer that individual, assuming they're a Christian, and there's no strong reasons to believe they're not. I want to steer them toward a well-assured posture. It's comforting, though, in that in and of itself, that, that assurance isn't stigmatized in Scripture. Oh yeah. So you have a guy like John who's addressing this in his epistle, uh, you know, and he's addressing these folks as his little children. Yes. You know, he he wants them to understand that. To me, that tells me, well, if I'm seeing these commands or exhortations or encouragements to put my trust in God, it's well, then it's point. obviously natural that that Christians at time will yes. will struggle in these that, areas. That's a very pastoral perspective. I mean, the Apostle Paul is often motivated to do that. Romans eight. Is, mm-hmm. Beloved, who's going to separate us from the love of God? He's right. trying to appeal to them, like, don't don't fear that. Don't think that you're going to be you're going to be dropped out of you know His love and favor. And so many passages, I, you're right. There's this built-in assumption that we are can so easily struggle with assurance and so easily feel that we're not the children of God. And many of the the writers in the New Testament are trying to persuade us and provide us with assurance you and i are both fans of the puritans and one of the things i, I love about puritan writing is it's so thoughtful uh mm-hmm. it, and it's so uh, uh piercing in, in its in its uh, study of uh, in their study of scripture but something that i've often noticed is, is authors are, are just extremely introspective puritan authors puritan authors yeah. In considering their own sin, their own remaining sin, uh, whether or not they're they're right with God, whether or not Christ looks at them with a smile or not, mm-hmm. and it can almost give the impression to you and I, who are fans of the Puritans, that mm-hmm. it's virtuous to struggle with assurance. Do you think that assessment of the Puritans is is accurate, or do you think that's not true? I've, I'm sure you're aware of this. That discussion surrounding the Puritans and assurance has a long history mm-hmm. of evangelical and scholarly debate. Mm. Um, what, what did the Puritans actually teach? You have scholars that argue that, generally speaking, the Puritans thought that assurance was the rare gift of a few especially faithful Christians. Uh, if I could be critical for a minute of the Puritans. Um, Just a minute. Yeah, right. I love the Puritans. I think there are some that were too introspective. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're, um, I recognize I'm, I'm going to step on a couple toes here. 
probably the most well-known book on the subject of assurance by the Puritans is Thomas Brooks's Heaven Heaven on Earth, something like that. Hmm. That's I don't not, recom- not too well-known. I don't recommend that book to people on assurance. He, he makes hmm. the point that God will sometimes deliberately keep his children endowed. I, I, I think that's all wrong. Right. But I don't think Thomas Brooks represents the pure tra- tradition on that particular issue. So I would say, yes, there are examples of Puritans who go too far with this stuff. But on the whole, someone like John Owen, for example, he is solid gold on assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I would recommend, recommend him on that. But um, leaving that for a second, the question is, is it that we might be led from reading the Puritans that it could be virtuous to struggle with assurance? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, so let me say clearly, notwithstanding Thomas Brooks, I would say that would be too harsh a picture of the Puritans. Uh-huh. I, I don't agree with that assessment that, that some would make. That they, that they would be arguing that? The question of whether it's virtuous is coming from the point of view that, oh, I'm so humble. That oh, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't even know if, if, if God can still love me. Yeah. That we can paint ourselves as if we're virtuous. Yeah, that's, that. That, and, and, and I'm sure you agree. That's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. I mean, that, that is errant nonsense. Mm-hmm. That is utterly antithetical to what the Bible teaches. And one of the things I'm very thankful for, it's one of the richest fruits of the Reformed tradition that you have the right to be assured of your salvation if you have believed on Jesus Christ to justify you by faith. And, um, and that's, what, that's what was so offensive mm-hmm. to Roman Catholics in the 16th century. Yeah. One of the things that was so offensive, to argue that you didn't need the sacramental system to be righteous before God, but you just needed to come to, to Jesus like a little child and put your faith and trust in him or to do as John Calvin said, to bring my little cup of faith right. to be filled with water from the Lord. That was that was an affront to uh well that particularly is, has been helpful in, in my fight for assurance hmm. is is one pastor told me at one point it's it's not obedient to remain in a state of doubting your state before the lord yeah what what could what, what command could you be obeying hmm. mm-hmm. again we're not talking about hypocrites i mean hypocrites non-Christians who parade themselves like Christians and are not need to be convinced in no uncertain terms they're not believers. Right. I assume this whole time we're talking about Christians who struggle with assurance. And and where would the Bible ever teach Christians that it's somehow virtuous to struggle with assurance? I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. But not only does the Bible not teach that, but the Bible also do, does teach co- and command and offer precedent that we should make claim on the promises that God does give to us. That we are to actively put our trust yeah. in Christ. So, so let me let me say this. Maybe what I think could be the best face on that perspective. Mm-hmm. The, I think I think someone could say a healthy sense of sin and a healthy sense of unworthiness could produce in us a natural need to have to be stirred up and encouraged mm-hmm. to enter Christ's presence with confidence and plead the merits of His blood. And I think. That's exactly the posture the writer to the Hebrews would commend. And then he would say to us, I have to encourage you, come confidently, right? right. People who are presumptuous, like, why would, I, why, why would I need to have any fear about my sin creating a wedge between me and God? Well, that, that person maybe hasn't thought enough about sin and about God's grace and what's actually taking place there. We should be awed by God's grace, right. overwhelmed by his mercy. And we should, there is a surprising facet to it. Yeah. So I think if someone's talking about that, that I, I don't want to think like, man, I just, I should be forgiven. Yeah, everything in my life, I think we should never cease to be amazed yeah. by the grace of God. I am a child of God. Right. And I, I can come confidently. Mm-hmm. Or an example that comes to my mind is in Mark 9 with the man with the demoniac son. 
mm-hmm. who says, uh, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sure. And, you know, that, that's presented in a way that's commending that man's posture. Well, to me, what, what should be commended is he's asking the Lord to help. Yes. And he's asking, he's, he's, one, he's seeking to grow in his faith and grow yes. in, in his belief. Where if, if I'm a person who's struggling with assurance, I, I should not be content, oh, you know, I, I, I don't believe. Just like that man. No, no, I want to pursue and press more into Christ's promises. Yeah, that's exactly right. It doesn't honor Christ mm-hmm. not to lay hold to his promises. They're there for, for us. I, I will say, I mean, it's important to say to someone who chronically struggles with assurance to tell them, you know, at the end of the day, it will not matter on judgment day whether you were assured or not, mm-hmm. you know. Pursue assurance. I want you to have it. Mm-hmm. The scriptures want you to have it. But the wonderful thing is, all those who throw their themselves at the feet of Jesus will be saved. And even if on the last day you've not come to full assurance, right. if you're his, that's what saves you, not your assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Christ himself that saves you. Mm-hmm. Alex, on, on a broader evangelical level, do, do you think church leaders and pastors can sometimes err in, in rushing people to an assured state? Yeah, I think it's possible. It just completely depends on who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I've been careful to say it a couple times, if we're talking about true children of God, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you find in the church there are people who are fakers, mm-hmm. people who are not really converted. The Bible acknowledges that there will be hypocrites among us. And so sometimes, though I think it's rarer, mm-hmm. sometimes someone may come to you and say, I'm not assured of my salvation. And it could be that they have no right to be. They've never been born again. Right. In my very limited experience, um, that's... that's um, almost never happened mm-hmm. and um but i, I yeah I, I think oh well I, I would say in in the broader evangelical world and maybe this is what what you meant by your question i do think there's a rush at the slightest sign of some positive inclination toward christian things to try to affirm that person and if i could be a little crass to count that person right you know so oh the six-year-old doesn't want to go to hell do you want to be baptized right now you'll go to heaven forever baptize mm-hmm. and then you know well, no, I mean, that, that, that sort of thing is almost, yeah, that, that's not what we're, that, that's not hopefully what healthy churches are doing. Hmm. And that sort of practice to just count heads, anyone willing to walk an aisle, sign a piece of paper and say, I want to be a Christian today. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it's illegitimate to make any subjective evaluation of where someone stands, that's not right. Hmm. You know, I think there should be an assessment to some degree of the credibility of someone's faith. The Bible, I think, gives warrant to that. I don't think we're just to rush to baptize people and announce and proclaim them Christians right. because they show the slightest positive inclination toward Christian mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And that, sadly, that runs rampant yeah. in a lot of so-called evangelical circles. Where do you see the place for congregational singing in the fight for assurance? I can just speak experientially. I mean, I think that that one of the things that has helped me most in my fight with assurance has been both the words of Christian songs mm-hmm. and hymns and the actual experience of singing them with a congregation of people. So lots of things went on there, but you sing a line like from before the throne when Satan tempts me to despair and tells you of the guilt within, mm-hmm. upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. That line is mm-hmm. instructive in and of itself. Singing it has an experiential quality of of yes. I'm putting these words to my lips and I'm voicing them to God and it stirs me to confidence. And then there's the whole dynamic of singing them in a congregation with people. I'm stirred by other Christians singing these words to me. And so um, 
That's why I say assurance, hopefully, is trying to bring people to an experiential appreciation of their assurance. Mm -hmm. Not just, I agree to the objective fact that I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. I feel in my heart that I'm a Christian. I feel in my heart that I'm a child of God. I think music can be very helpful. Because assurance is not a cerebral thing. Yes. Or cerebral merely. It's an emotive thing. Right. to, To know, I mean, that I'm God's child, that should draw out emotions and affections and Music is something that's used, I think, to. to yeah, we could point. Us. We could point to the Psalms, and we could point to countless examples from our own experience. But we've mentioned it before that there's something that's self-commissive in singing. Mm-hmm. We're committing ourselves to the truths that are sung. Yes. And if 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 I'm a believer, when I'm singing literally the gospel in a song you re- you mentioned before the throne, the second verse, or in Christ alone, I, I'm I'm pledging myself to those truths and also just re- declaring those truths to be in fact true yes that so on the cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied that is true yeah. uh there's something that makes that deeply experiential real when i sing that yeah now that's just my own experience but what am i doing that for that brother or sister next to me yeah who's all who could be struggling with assurance or needs encouragement that that day we're literally encouraging one another and exhorting one another yeah and i view the regular gatherings of the church as a way of sort of reorienting our lives and our hearts Mm. you know that okay we're to right this is true not that other stuff i was caught up in yeah you know in my mind this is the truth this is who god says i am this is what his word teaches and i i look forward to that every sunday i expect a reorientation of my heart, a, a drawing me back to the things that are true, the things that are right, the things that the Lord says, you know, in his word, for sure. Well, Alex, I want us to move to discuss our hymn of the week, and our hymn for this week is He Will Hold Me Fast. He Will Hold Me Fast is, uh, is actually by two authors, the first from the 19th century and the second from the 21st century. The first two verses and chorus were written by Ada Ruth Abershon. And she lived from 1861 through 1918. And the last verse was written by uh, Matt Merker. And Matt Merker wrote the tune that, that most of us would be familiar with in, uh, to this day. But Ada, she was born in a Plymouth Brethren family in London, and she was exposed to the broader evangelical world in London, though, as well. Uh, her family actually attended Charles Spurgeon's church for many years. And Ada, in her life, she engaged in evangelistic crusades in London, and uh, throughout her life, she, she was quite energetically uh, uh, engaged in service in, in various ministries in her community. Uh, the hymn's purpose, this hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast, which I, from what I gather is, is her most uh, enduring legacy, this hymn's purpose is to assure saints in Christ's ability, his willingness, and, and his pleasure to preserve his people. Now, thematically, there is considerable overlap between each verse in this hymn. Each verse and chorus it declares Christ's faithfulness to keep those who are his. Yet there is a progression from the author's initial fear of her faith failing to anticipation of the return of the exalted Christ. Now, Alex, here's what I find fascinating about this hymn. is uh, This entire hymn is sung in the first person. Uh, the author's focus on self, it ends in the first verse. So she, she progresses from, from speaking of her own trials, her mm-hmm. own struggles, mm-hmm. her own uh, uh, fleeting affections, uh, and contrasting that with, with Christ's solidity. And she moves to the rest of the hymn, fo- focusing exclusively on Christ's posture towards her. Mm. And then, as Merker writes, what, what Christ has done to accomplish 
the salvation for his people. Mm-hmm. So in that first verse, she speaks of her, her faith failing. She speaks of succumbing to sin and her fickle affections. And she contrasts all those with Christ's resolve to hold her fast. Mm. The rest of the song, though, focuses on Christ's affections for who he saves. He, those he saves are his delight. Pre- they're precious in his sight. And his specific actions he accomplishes to secure their redemption. He makes his promises to them. He's bought them with such a cost. He's bled and died. He's satisfied justice. He's been raised from the dead. And believers can confidently look forward to his return. So I say all this to say that to our subject today, I I think it's particularly relevant. Why do most people struggle with assurance? Why why are we typically going to struggle with assurance? It's usually going to be because we're looking within. Mm -hmm. We're looking to our own sin. We're looking to our own failing faith. We're looking to our own fleeting affections rather than looking at the object of our faith, Mm -hmm. rather than looking and fixing our gaze upon Christ. So talk to me a little bit about this hymn. What what, what are your thoughts? I didn't know that Ada's family was at Spurgeon's church, but one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon has to do with assurance. Mm -hmm. He says, when I cannot come to God as a well-assured saint, Mm -hmm. I can always come to him as a needy sinner. The idea there being that I can always look to Christ, mm-hmm. I can always find a Savior in Him, even mm-hmm. if I don't feel myself to be assured. And Spurgeon was very vocal about encouraging this this gaze away from ourselves and everything we find disappointing about ourselves and looking to Christ. And man, this song just captures that so beautifully, mm. uh, that, that, that everything inward is, is, can be disappointing, but that's not ultimately the issue. It's not about the ways in which I've disappointed myself, even the ways in which I've disappointed the Lord or, or, or failed the Lord. It is in who Christ is and what he has pledged to do. And I have not encountered a song in my entire Christian life that mm. captures uh, this more beautifully. And I've not seen a song so powerfully grip those mm. who struggle with assurance. Mm. I have had so many people comment on how helpful they found this song in their own um, wrestlings and strugglings with assurance. And so I'm just, I'm thankful to God that in his providence, I'm alive in the generation of people who get to sing this song. I rejoice in how prevalent it is. I mean, it's being sung all over the world mm-hmm. and being uh, all sorts of recordings of the song have been made. I just think it's one of the best songs uh, to have, I guess it's been written a long time ago, but right. it's one of the best songs to become popular yeah. in, in my lifetime. Yeah. Another hymn it reminds me of is I Hear the Words of Love by Horatius, Horatio Bonar, mm-hmm. uh, where he writes, My love is oft times low, my joy still ebbs and flows. So looking within, mm-hmm. but then he says, But peace with him remains the same, no change my Savior knows. Amen. Again, looking within. Stop doing that, <laughs> and then looking to looking to Christ, looking yeah, to the Savior. And, and if I could just say, uh, in my own personal experience, as a fragile, very young new convert at ten years old, mm-hmm. I think was generally converted when I was ten. I didn't come to a place of, of of stronger assurance until I was about thirteen, and sadly, this song was not available to me then. Mm-hmm. But it was exactly the sentiments of this song that helped me come to a place of a more robust assurance. And in those periods where assurance has has waned, uh, I have gone back to this song and and the text that undergird this song to provide balance to my my own faith. Amen. Well, friends, we're out of time. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you, brother.